wonderful mother and father, and they were such a blessing to myself and to my brother and, and uh, to my kids and my grandkids. And uh, uh, just the other day, uh, Scout was eating a Reese's peanut butter cup, and uh, she told Katie, she said, uh, Grandma Mary used to give me these. I was like, I hope, hope, hope I didn't get in trouble. But, uh, uh, and so uh, Katie texted me. She said, uh, did Grandma Mary ever give Scout Reese's peanut butter cups? Yeah. Yeah, so Scout has a memory now of uh, having some goodies from uh, great-grandma. So anyway, I hope that you guys get to celebrate your mothers and you mothers uh, get celebrated well this afternoon. But now, beginning in verse 16, uh, these are God's words for us uh, here in Second Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was uh, uh, borne to Him by the uh, majestic glory This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure. The prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And even as this word tells us about your word, we're thankful that the Holy Spirit has given to us this word about your Son, this word from you And now, Father, we pray that the same Holy Spirit would now be at work in our midst, helping us to comprehend and to receive this sure word of yours. May we pay well attention to this, your very word, for we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're taking these seven weeks and thinking together about some things about the Holy Spirit. And um, this morning, we particularly want to ask and try to answer the question, how does the Holy Spirit relate to the Scriptures? And uh, what I want us to see this morning is that the Holy Spirit is the agent who created what was written for us, This passage delves into that, dives into that, and explains that a bit more. But but then I'm going to have a shift and see that the Holy Spirit is not just the agent who has 
given us the Scriptures, but the Holy Spirit should also be seen as the agent who gives us the comprehension of what is written down by the Spirit in the Scriptures. Now, one of the things that we are thinking through as we think about the Holy Spirit in particular is that it really causes us to bump out and think about our God in general. Our, the one true God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and each person is co-equal, co-eternal God. Nero, one of them is a little bit more God than the other. But, but these three divine persons comprise the one true God. They are distinct and distinguishable from each other, uh, and, and yet they are indivisible from each other. Indivisible in terms of their being, but individual, in, in, indivisible in terms of their, of their works. And so every work of God that we've seen thus far, we've learned something about how, how we are focusing upon how this work is a, particularly attributed to the Holy Spirit, and yet each work is attributed to each member of the Godhead. They each have distinct roles or activities in each of the works of God. And as a general rule of thumb, we, we notice that the, the Father in each of the works is always the initiator. We notice that the Son in each of the works of God is always the mediator. And we see that the Spirit of God is always the perfecter or completer. So, but in each of the works, so as, as we look at and think about the work of of, of, the, of, of, the, of revelation, how God reveals himself to us through his word. That work of God is a work of the Father, a work of the Son. And yet, particularly this morning, we're thinking about how it is a work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit's role in creating the Scriptures. While I want us to focus particularly on verses 19 20 and 21 in just a few moments, I, I, I want to kind of make sure we're aware of something of the context, uh, uh, of something of what Peter is writing about. As we, as we began reading in verse 16, P- Peter is, is describing uh, an experience that he had with Jesus. At, at one point, and th- Matthew 17 would be one of the places where you can find this. At one point, Jesus pulls aside Peter, James, and John and says, Come here, guys. I'm going to show you something. Uh, you come with me. And, and they, they go up, and, and, and on the mount, uh, the, God transfigures Jesus. Uh, I, I don't know exactly all that that means, but, but it, it, they, got, they got a glimpse of, of something of the divine glory of Jesus. Now, just imagine you were there. But imagine you were one of the boys, Peter, James, and John, and you got to go up there and see that. I mean, on the one hand, it's mind-blowing. And so you see Jesus transfigured into a glorified state, and, and you hear the Father say, this is my well-loved Son. It, it, it just... Listen to him, and just and, and as we as we comprehend that, we say, "Shucks, I missed that. I didn't get to be a part of that." I, I, I mean, how come Peter, James, and John got to got to get in on that? And and uh, I mean, I really missed a chance to have my 
faith strengthened. Boy, if I would have seen that, my faith would have been strengthened. Well, you remember, it doesn't take too much longer for, for Peter to have wobbly faith, even after having seen that and deny Jesus three times in the events surrounding his crucifixion. So, but, but it's in that context, Peter's saying, we saw this, guys, with our own eyes. And yet, in that context, he says in verse 19, and we have something more sure. In other words, in, in a strange way, and while, and while I, if I was given the chance, I, I certainly would have taken it, but uh, uh, to, to go there and see Christ transfigured before my own, own very eyes, and, and, and yet Peter is saying, there's something even better than that. What's better than seeing Jesus transfigured with our own eyes? What's in that context? Peter now explains something to us about our Bibles, about God's Word. Having the perfect Word of God is a better deal than seeing Jesus transfigured with our own eyes. Having, to, having the opportunity to, to hear God's Word is, is a more sure thing than being able to see the glory of Christ before our very eyes. Isn't that amazing? It goes on to say that, um, verse 20, knowing this, first of all, speaking of this word, the scriptures that we have, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, how do we account for our Bibles? What, what exactly is this Bible that we have? Was, was this simply a combination or a, 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 a compilation of people who at some point had a religious encounter with God in some way, shape, form, or another, and then out of that religious encounter with God, they, they, they kind of thought about it, and they kind of like made up the Bible. They, they kind of said, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's kind of like this. And, and so really what we're getting from the Bible is just simply someone's interpretation of their religious experience or their religious encounter with God. Well, Peter's saying, that ain't how it came about. Peter, earlier speaking of the Scriptures, he says in verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when we, when we were explaining the gospel to you, we didn't make this stuff up. We, we, we didn't like get creative and put our thinking caps on and, and say, oh, that'd be a really good way to turn that phrase and, and to produce the scripture in, in that way. No, no, it is, it is not merely, the scripture isn't merely the product of, of people's own self-devised interpretation of their religious encounters. No, no, it says there, men, verse, verse 21 for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God. Scriptures do not originate with man. Oh, they include man. Men spoke from God. It was a collaborative effort in a sense in, in that 
Uh, Moses wrote the things that Moses wrote, and David wrote the things that David wrote, and Daniel wrote the things that Daniel wrote, and Matthew wrote the things that Matthew wrote, and the men spoke. Those men spoke. And, and, and you see blendings of their own um, background and personalities and writing styles, and, 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 yet, uh, and yet Scripture does not originate with Man, scriptures do not merely express a human opinion. Scriptures do not merely express the collective wisdom of that culture in that day and age in which it was written. And so we would look at that and go, ah, that's an old book. That was, that's a book that reflects the, uh, an antiquated culture. And it says things about marriage and life that's, well, that's old-time days. We're modern and sophisticated and edumacated, and, and we know much better than that. that. That's just the wisdom of back in the day. And No, it, 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 wisdom, uh, the Scriptures did not originate with the opinions of men or the collective wisdom of the culture of that day and time. No, men spoke from God, and then verse 21 explains the how. They were, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The very words we have in the Scriptures, and not some of them, but all of them. So it's not just the concepts, but the words. It's not just some of them, the red-lettered ones, but all of them, all of the scriptures and the very words of scripture are produced as men wrote them as they were being carried along or governed or superintended by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the imagery here carried along is that is the, like uh, as, as the wind would, would uh, direct the sails of a sailboat. I got outside and rode my bike yesterday. And of course, since it was a you know, a yucky fall day, windy, uh, I went on the Katy Trail. I go on the Katy Trail on windy days because the wind makes me feel like an old man when I ride my bicycle. And so I try to circumvent, and I'm not an old man, am I? Okay, I, who said no very clearly? That person gets a star this morning. So, but anyway, the rest of you just mumbled something. I don't know, but... Um, something powerful about the wind. The wind will either impede my speed and endurance or the wind will empower and improve my speed and endurance. And so I like to have the wind in my back or I like to hide in the tree lines to keep from the wind taking me over. Well, that's the imagery here that men wrote that it was from God and yet to make sure that what they wrote was exactly what God wanted written, that's what the Holy Spirit comes in. That the Word is initiated from the Father. The Word is about the Son, but the Word from the Father about the Son is written in such a way that the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, this is what we want written, just like this. So that simultaneously... Paul wrote what Paul wanted to write, uh, reflecting his own understanding, his own personality, and yet, and yet what Paul wrote was exactly what the Spirit of God governed, blew on him, if you would, to, 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 to write. 
so that what we have in our scriptures is exactly what God wanted said about his son. And the spirit of God superintended that process. So it's a word from God. Written by the superintendent of the spirit of God. And therefore... Some of the things that we can take away from that is that this word of God is, guess what? Incapable of error. If if we should believe what your brother-in-law says, or if we should believe what God says in his word, your brother-in-law, much to his chagrin, is capable of error. God's word is incapable of error. Yes, men wrote it, but men wrote it from God under the superintendence of the Spirit of God, putting down the exact words that the Spirit of God wanted written down. Therefore, it's not only incapable of error, but it is powerfully effective. Or another way of thinking about this. When Jesus shows up, uh, for instance, in John 8, 26, he'll say, I I come and I speak not on my own authority. I just speak what I hear my father say. So I listen to what my father says and I speak it. And then later Jesus will say in John 16, so eight chapters later, concerning the Holy Spirit, he says the the Holy Spirit will come not on his own authority. The Holy Spirit will come and, and he will hear what's been said, implying from the father via the son, and, and he, will, he will speak what he has heard. So the word that we have, the word from God, the word about the Son, is a word from God about the Son given to us by the Spirit of God. He's just heard what's been said, and he guided the, the writers of the Scriptures to write down what was written. So that's why we can say, what's the Holy Spirit's role in the Scriptures? The Holy Spirit's role is important in the creation of the Scriptures. The the, the scriptures are made by the Holy Spirit. He worked through the human writers to, to have written down what was written down. And so you and I can have all the confidence in the word, in the world, in the word. Isn't that a big deal today? Don't, don't. Don't you get a little bit of cynicism in your heart today when you you hear so many people um, waxing eloquently? You you hear so many of the experts telling us the sure word of which way is up and what's left and what's right and what's right and what's wrong. And and the only problem is if you listen long enough, the the experts start contradicting themselves and then you don't know which way to turn and you you get a a bit of jadedness and cynicism in your heart. You're just like, there ain't nothing that's true. And and, and yet in that context, this wonderful gift that we have in the Scriptures by the superintending work of the Holy Spirit, we can have all the confidence in the world, in the Word, because we can listen to the very Spirit of God as we read or as we hear the very words of God, because the Scriptures are created by the Holy Spirit. 
But the second thing I want to take note of, and I'm going to shift passages in a minute. I think this passage touches on it, but there's another passage that gives us more insight to it. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in comprehending the Scriptures. Now, he says there in verse 19, um, staying in 2 Peter 1 for a second, and we have something more sure, uh, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Now, till the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts, I think is probably a a metaphorical description to what he's alluded to back in verse 16, uh, of the, the things we've told you about the the, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and yet he says, in the meantime, before the Lord returns, uh, you will do well to pay attention to this sure word. It is a lamp shining in a dark place. The, the imagery there is that the word of God illuminates, gives us the ability to, to see truth and to comprehend truth and to understand truth. And, and, and again, I would suggest to you, that's the, through the agency of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just provide us a book, but the Holy Spirit then comes alongside of us and helps us to comprehend and to welcome and to receive the words that are written in this book. So that, for instance, take the writer of Hebrews... Um, when he quotes uh, King David in Psalm 95, he doesn't say, although it's true, he, d- he says later on in the chapter, but in, in Hebrews chapter 3, the first thing he says about Psalm 95 is he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. Wait, wait a minute. That was David talking. Well, yeah, he, he, does, he does acknowledge that. But as sure as David was talking... That is the Holy Spirit now continuing to talk. He doesn't say, and the Holy Spirit once said, but the Holy Spirit says at this current moment. In other words, a word that was written a thousand years earlier is still a word that speaks today. Why does it speak today? Because it was created by the living Spirit of God And it is comprehended today by the living Spirit of God. Paul explains a bit more about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, Talks about the, the importance of the Holy Spirit's role in comprehending the Scriptures. And it, let me just read it to you and then give you a little bit of a, a background here. But in, uh, in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says... These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So we're talking about the revealing work of the Spirit. Well, what are these things that we're referring to? Well, in the context, Paul is talking about the person and work of Christ. And and, and he's explaining something about the person and work of Christ. And really he's answering the question, why, why did many people see that Christ was like foolish? And weak 
And why did so many people reject Christ? And, and, the, and the answer that Paul gives, even though people saw with their own eyes what Christ did in his life and heard with their own ears what he taught, they rejected him in, on, on whole, in large part. Why? Because it, it, what, what, what Paul explains is that, that people are naturally blind and hardened in their sinful pride. In other words, in our natural state, we could look Jesus right in the face and miss who he is. We could look Jesus right in the face and not be impressed. Isn't, you and I think about that and we think that's incomprehensible. Because I, I see that Jesus is beautiful and majestic and lovely and worthy of worship. I, I adore him. He's my savior. I love him. He's my good Lord. I, I, he connects me to the Father. I, I, how, how could someone look at Jesus and, and not be blown away by that? And, 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 and that mystifies us sometimes. And, and really what Paul is explaining is because... In our natural state, we're blind to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. In our natural state, we are hardened. In our natural state, we are not all that impressed. So in that context, he says there in verse 10 again, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And then verse 13, the Apostle Paul explains the background to the things that he and the other apostles have written and said about Jesus. He says, and we impart this. We impart the revelation of the Spirit. We impart the, how the Spirit shows us and reveals to us the glory and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. We impart this in words. Sometimes we think we want to we separate how the Spirit of God kind of free floats around the universe to, to what the Word of God says. And it would always be best to keep in union the Spirit of God with the Word of God. And what Paul is saying is that, is that to listen to the Spirit of God is to be found by reading the words of God. Because so, and so we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then verse 14, for the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. For he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, so the word that we have from God, from the Holy Spirit of God, is only fully comprehended and received and welcomed by the agency of the Spirit of God Himself. Without the Spirit of God this morning, we look at that and go, whatever, boring. Uh, I mean, we just don't get it. It doesn't mean much to us. And, and we might even understand it on a, some kind of intellectual level. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that Jesus died on the cross. Heard that since I was a kid. Uh, but you're not altogether taken back by that. And the reason you're not taken back by that 
is because the Spirit of God is not at work in you. For if the Spirit of God was at work in you, when the words of God are read and heard, the Spirit of God says, Whoa, did you hear that? Did you hear that? It's talking about Jesus. The Spirit of God ignites something in our hearts. So we say, man, I, that, that's the word of life. I, 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 I got to lean into that. I got to pay attention to that. See, that's huge because sometimes we think, you know, we got to really get here this morning and whoop it up. You know, and just like have a pep rally for Jesus. And so how can we turn a phrase and how can we emotionally manipulate you? And how can we uh, put a little backbeat on that drum? And how can we put, add a little oomph to that bass? And how can we put a little pizzazz to that piano? Because we got to get you emotionally revved up for Jesus. Being emotionally revved up is not necessarily a manifestation of the Spirit of God. But seeing the beauty of Jesus through the word and having your hearts ignite with a love and an adoration for that, regardless on how many backflips you do in the process. But being thrilled in that sense by the comprehension of the word as it points us to Jesus so that you say, I got to have that. I want that. I need him. I desire him. That is the spirit of God taking what he has revealed in his word and then in real time, in real space, then being at work in our own hearts and souls. Giving us, yes, a measure of understanding and, 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 and yet more than a measure of understanding. Giving us the very hunger and desire to embrace and receive and welcome this word about Jesus. To welcome this Jesus of whom the word is about. That's how the Spirit of God causes us to comprehend the word of God. It opens our eyes so that we see Jesus spoken of, revealed, described, provided for us in the Word. So that then he would explain, starting back at the first part of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, he says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I didn't, I didn't come in human ingenuity and, and human devices, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I, and I was with you in much weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might uh, not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power. Isn't it amazing that someone like myself, who is an expert at taking words and bumbling and fumbling my way through those words, it's a skill uh, that a few of you have conquered as well, apparently, but, but I've mastered it. And, and, and yet, in that human frailty and foolishness, that the Spirit of God could take my bumbling and fumbling of these words and impart life. 
by showing the beauty and the glory of Jesus. Now, that's meant to be an encouragement to each of you as well, because a lot of times we want to like tell other people about Jesus, but we're like, well, I, I'm not very good at that. I mean, what if I say the wrong thing, or what if I say the right thing the wrong way, or what, what, what if they ask a question I can't answer, or what if they, what if they stump me, or what, you know, just what if they make me look foolish? Well, Paul says, I, I, I came looking foolish, that, that the power might not be in me, but the power might be in God. You and I can bumble our fumble, bumble and fumble our words through uh, sharing Christ with others. And guess what? When the Spirit of God shows up, then the Spirit of God knows how to take your bumblings and fumblings, and He knows how to impart life because we've pointed people to Jesus. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for how he has come to rescue us from our sin so that we would be adopted as children of God. We're thankful that the Spirit bears witness with our own spirits that we are, in fact, children of God. It gives us the very heartbeat to say to you, Father. So we thank you, Spirit, for how you are at work in our lives. We thank you that you give us this treasure of our Scriptures We're thankful for how you've provided it to us flawlessly. And we're thankful for how you use it and work it into our hearts effectively so that we would comprehend and receive and welcome the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.